Hello and welcome back to the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast and our 2022 candidate conversations. I'm Nick Parker and with me as he is every time, Jason Norberry. Yeah, I'm too bad for you. I know it's 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 really it's it's a struggle for me. We're here. We're we're we. This is uh, I believe District Two. This is we're moving on to District Two. We have two of our three candidates with us today. I'm going to introduce in a second John Lovell and Lorenzo Harrison. Storm Dylan Schneider has not responded to any of our attempts, Jason, to join this pro- part of the process of I the say, campaign process. I say boo to her. I would agree with that because, Jason, what's my favorite line when it comes to political season? You got to show up. You got to show up. Decisions are made by those who show up. And here we have John Lovell, Lorenzo Harrison. Thank you guys for showing up. Thanks for having us. All right. So I'm going to repeat the rules here for you and as for our audience. Um, what we're going to do rules <laughs> rules i'm going to air quote the word rules uh, our, our structure okay so the the big thing to keep in mind the first question we're going to ask you guys will be the same question for both of you but the others will be more themed but the 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 individual question will be tailored based on responses you've given and other things uh, that you may have said either in like social media or in your campaign materials or wherever we happen to dig stuff up i'm going to uh, start with i'm going to start with something really hard hitting but I'm going to save the hardest question for the very end. That's the one where we will judge you. That's the one we judge you. Uh, first question we want to guys keep you guys just about just a couple of minutes on that one, and then we'll we'll kind of roll our way forward from there. Are you guys ready to go? Yeah, ready. Awesome. All right. Well, Lorenzo, I'm going to start with you. And really, what what I want to know is, so if you are elected, and then after your four year term, when you look back at that four year term, what do you hope to have accomplished? You know, I'm hoping that I've accomplished a lot of things in infrastructure and economic development in our city. Um, also trying to make sure that we have been competitive in our wages for public safety, um, because it's something that's very important. I know a lot of hiring and vacancies in our police force that are out there right now. We're trying to get those filled, but the question is why can't we get them filled? At least some is supposed to be a place we want to live, work, and play. Um, why don't people want to come here to work where other cities are able to fill these vacancies? So just something that we'll be able to keep moving Lee Summit forward is what I'm hoping to see at the end of four years and saying, that, wow, we've really come a long way and bounce back from a pandemic. Okay, I think we're gonna we're gonna come back to some of those points. I think in in, in the rest of during the rest of this absolutely this, this interview. But I'm gonna move on for now to 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 John. John, kind of the same thing to you. If you're elected after your four-year term, what are you going to look back on it and, and hope to say you accomplished? You know, uh, as far as policy, I, I don't necessarily um, think there's anything I would look back to from a policy perspective. There's a lot of good momentum going on in the city right now, um, and a lot of a lot of great things, and a lot of things that people before me have done. Um, I would just say a, a success to me, or, or something that would. Uh, make me proud of the work I've done is is being willing to to listen and understand the community, to act pragmatically, to not bring any biases into my decision making, and to always um, lead with a servant's heart, uh, trying to do best what what's best for the community as a whole. All right. Well, we're going to roll right in then. Thank you guys both. Those of you, you both once again successfully stayed under the two minute thing, which is always the, uh, you get your first gold star for this particular forum set of questions. So I'm going to move first and we're going to talk a little bit about 
probably the most boring, but probably the most important part of the work of a city council person, which is to help set and, and administer the budget of the city and dealing with the funding and what have you. Um, and this is one of those things that, you know, we hear talk about the budget at the national level and at the state level, but really we we're down here at the local level, this is where the rubber meets the road, where we really want to focus on these, these very local issues as we're going forward. So we're going to start with that a little bit. And John, I'm going to start with you with this one. You noted in your responses to our questionnaire that you really want to support critical functions, public safety, infrastructure, uh, and some other key things. Is it your opinion that we're not doing enough to support those things right now? I wouldn't say that we're necessarily not doing enough uh, to support those things right now. But I think that's, you know, as a city, if you look at the purview of what you're tasked with um, doing, especially on, on council or, or working with staff, is uh, making sure that those things stay um, at the forefront of what we do, uh, making sure that we're staying in tune with comparator cities or, or leading the way, um, so to speak, in, in that aspect. Um, I mean, there's certainly other things, but I, I think, you know, the critical functions of the city are, are what we're tasked with representing and doing. Doesn't mean we can't look at other options or opportunities to, to be good fiscal stewards of the community, but um, that's, that's, that's where I, I see the crux of what we do when it comes to budgeting and, and, um, and financial and fiscal responsibility. So I, that makes me a little bit curious. Um, as you as you as you lay those things out, and you're talking about the the, the critical functions and the thing, how are you gonna? I guess how do you prioritize those things when it comes to to making the decisions on, on budget? So when a, when a budget is presented to you by by city staff and the city manager, and you've got to prioritize some of those functions and sometimes give one more priority over the other, how do you look at those priorities and, and what are you using to to I guess assess where they go? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's an interesting, I mean, it, it, I don't know that there's a, um, a hard and fast answer to that question that, um, you know, we have I, six hours. I, I would lean, we do not. <laughs> I would, I would, you know, I would lean on my experience running a business. Um, there are critical functions to our business that we have to support on a daily basis. Um, we have to have a certain amount of revenue that's coming in to support the critical functions of the business. Uh, that being that means being mindful of what is you know what is appropriate pay for my team compared to competitors so i think as a city you can look at you can look at other factors or you can look at other cities and you can make sure that we are providing um you know the the, the necessary funding and resource to do that so i i think that's how you have to approach those things i don't you know it's not to say like okay well this is what the salary should be and everybody gets that um, i think you just have to look at it from a budget perspective and say who and what we are. And, and that's how I would approach anything that, that came to do with the budget and trying to understand that. I, I, I'm not going to tell you I have those answers right now or what those are. I, I, I would, I'm not sure I could tell you if uh, our pay is in line with what other cities are. Um, but I would tell you is I would do the research. I would, I would take all the information. I would gather it. I would see what our budget is, our revenues, our expenses. And then you have, you have to, you have to find a way to want to attract and maintain the talent that we have here. And, and I think that's, that's the best approach when when addressing those issues or those financial needs. Well, speaking of raising revenue and keeping competitive with wages and, and people, the, the city council put on the uh, ballot for election day a sales tax initiative to increase funding for public safety. Um, I'm going to the, the simple. This is the simplest answer, the shortest answer you can give or you can ramble a bit about it. Are you in favor of the passage of that sales tax initiative? 
Is that for me? That is for yeah, you. That is for you. Oh, so, Lorenzo's, Lorenzo's getting the same question yeah. in a moment. But I, 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 am in, I am in support of that, that sales tax initiative. All right. All right. All right, Lorenzo, we're going to roll to you, Nick. Well, we just since we just brought up the tax, and before I give you the the, the question we foreshadowed for you, you said in, in in some of your responses to to our candidate survey that we put out, you noted about affordable rates. What does that What does that mean to you? We're uh, concerning for which. Well, you so you, when, you, said, when we talked when we talked about taxes and the tax rates for the in, you know the income coming in for the for the city, you mentioned the term affordable rates, and and, and what does what does that really mean to you? You know, cities tend to raise taxes just because in some points they try to stick things into other taxes, um, tax raises, I should say, that I've noticed when I've been doing some research. <clears throat> I'm saying that we don't want to continue to always having to raise a sales tax every year or every uh, time there's an election time we're having on the ballot saying that it's a set in stone tax rate for this time period that we won't have to continue raise it, raising it, basically, if that makes sense. Um, but we want to. I do not want to be on the council or having us keep going back to the residents here in the city of always having to raise our taxes. We need to get to a point where we're able to be stable and be able to keep our tax rate pretty much consistent, and then raising it as we need to. Is what I was going for. Okay. Okay. I, I I think that makes sense. I think I understand understand where you're where you're coming from. And I, and I guess my my follow up, my pushback to you a, a little bit would be this: as you're on council, what what are what other areas are you looking to to come up with the revenue so that as different projects come up or when it's time to talk about to talk about raises for different pieces of of city staff, improving services. What else? What other things do you think you can can look to to try to find that revenue stream to find something to increase the pot? Well, you know that's an awesome question there. Um, something that we we'll have to look into once we've gotten started, trying to see what areas we could bring in. I don't know if that's bringing in more businesses or things of that nature, bringing up that extra well. Uh, but I just the point I was trying to get to in the questionnaire was that I didn't want to be one that we're keep coming back to the table of the tax rates being raised all the time. So you want to, you want to do that less often, I guess, is what, what I'm hearing. If possible, if it can be made into the budget and we make the priorities where we're trying to go with, that's kind of where um, my thought process was with that. Well, and I, and I think then that leads us to, to, uh, you know, the, the basic question again, right now, where are you sitting in, in support or not support of the current tax issue? Uh, at this time, I am in support of this particular uh, issue that's on the ballot right now. I've actually have encouraged several people to make sure they vote for that. Okay, I appreciate right. that. Lorenzo, we're going to stick with you, but we're going to change topics. Um, we're going to move on now to talking a little bit about development and, and housing and things that are kind of associated with all of that, including probably incentives. So we get to talk about that word. But in yours, you you had this theme of affordability kind of running through a number of your answers. And you, you talk here about affordable housing. And I don't think you use that in the professional's method of defining that in terms of some percentage of uh, poverty or whatever the whatever the numbers are that come through that. But you seem to talk about that. I'll, I'll give you this. You said, if we say we want to be able to live in this city, we have to make sure that there is affordable housing. 
So what does that mean to you um, in terms of like, how, how are you viewing that in terms of the housing situation we have in the city now? Well, right now we have a lot of apartments being brought up in the city. Um, a lot of them are not in a sense of, could be in a sense of affordable for particular people. Um, whereas there are more luxury, high income type apartments. You also have a lot of development in this district and district two and particularly um, a lot of that development is starting in the high 300s, um, 400 area. And there's not many areas of growth for people who want to live in district two um, to have some type of affordable housing. Whereas you go to another district, it seems that we are placing certain types of housing in certain areas in our city. Uh, If you look at the maps and looking at school district maps, you'll see all of our Title I schools are all surrounded in a particular area of the city. And that's where most of the housing that people are moving Lee Summit are moving into is because that seems to be the only places in Lee Summit that are considered to be the affordable housing or in the normal realm of an average family. Uh, when you look at District 2, you're more in the high income area, one of the top wealthiest zip codes in this area. Um, you don't see a lot of those options of housing in this area. So that's where um, I kind of got that affordable housing. Right well, I, I, on that same note, there there are there are a couple of, of projects going on right now where, where the talk of other rental properties that that topic that topic is up there there's a there's a proposed development on the east side of the city city by blackwell and 50 is that right jason blackwell and 50 um everybody a lot of people are talking about the the downtown the market plaza project which may or may not include a a, an apartment multifamily housing unit incentives have been discussed as a possible possibility part of the each of each of those developments and there's been a lot of pushback there's been a lot of pushback for many years about incentives when it comes to to housing projects what are your thoughts there about using using incentives for residential projects you know looking at incentives i think that'll be a great opportunity for it you know you have a lot of development happening um i just think that if the incentives are being used we're using them in the right way in a sense, um, we're just not throwing out there just because it's just more looking at things that are more diverse aspect um, for our city and just trying to make sure we're keeping things uh, together. I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about because you, you talked about affordability again, and I, I, w- I want to ask a question there. We have seen growth over the last will be huge growth over the last 25 years, right? It's from what, 50,000 ish to now the latest census put it at one hundred one thousand and change. Huge growth. One of the big pushbacks that always comes back from residents and sometimes from the dais is that rental properties, rental developments are going to hurt property values, that it's going to take the area down. What is what is what are your thoughts on that? And if you're looking to bring some more affordable things into the community, how do you push back? How do you address the people that have those concerns? You know, there's a lot of people asking for the apartment sprawl to stop. That's, that's why I've been hearing a lot. Um, rental properties, in a sense, um, they people are cons- 
thinking that it's going to bring their property value down. But when you look at the standpoints we are now, their property values have not gone down. But I think that if we continue adding like too many, that could be a possibility. But at the stands that we are right now, what's been proposed, I don't think that their property values will go down. I believe that we're having multiple options of different styles of living in the city is available. We're doing a great job, but I'm not saying that we have to, everywhere you look, there's affordable housing. That's not going to be everywhere you live. That's not going to be um, common at all. But if we're having multiple options of living in different districts or across the city, I think we're doing a great job of having at least something for people to have an option to live in that particular neighborhood. All right. Well, John, we're going to roll over to you. You talked a little bit in yours about uh, the PRI land um, that is that there's some along 470 and some down south off of South 291 um, about being sort of a big opportunity in the coming years to do some things. But more specifically, I wanted to say you said we are in a, a unique position to learn from mistakes of the past, to look to the future, to create something unique and desirable. Can you talk to about maybe some of those like larger, you know, you don't have to be big. I mean, you can be as specific as you want. Feel free to take uh, current council members to task. It's one of our favorite things to do on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, baby, is a but like what kinds of mistakes are we think we need to learn from? And then what does that how does that play into your view of development and, and things? Like, and then, well, I'm sure we'll have some stuff to follow. With. Yeah. Um, well, let, let me say that, you know, when I say mistakes of the past, I'm, I'm, I'm painting a, a broad, uh, broad picture there and not necessarily with the city, but um, maybe in a bigger picture uh, standpoint, right? So I feel like, you know, we talk about affordable housing or we talk about new housing developments or apartments. Um, I feel like there's this machine that's running, right? And we get a lot of money and interest in this city to come in and, and create great developments and, you know, brand new class A apartments and, you know, a lot of those those things, but we're still using a lot of traditional methods uh, to build and create. Um, I'm, you know, as someone that is very creative or thinks outside the box, to me, it would be what kind of, you know, how are we pushing the envelope with the types of development? So when, when PRI comes on, is it just to plot this thing out and just throw up homes? Um, is it to maybe think to the future? Are we building, are we using are we using unique construction methods? Are we building more sustainable homes? Are we using materials that, because we know, I mean, we know there is um, there is significant movement and, you know, I'm a fanboy. is like, let's just say Tesla, right? The electric car, right? Well, as an electric car owner, um, I have found myself more fascinated with the idea of energy independence, um, solar energy. Um, could I just put enough solar panels on my house to, charge my car for a week and be completely independent from a lot of these federal issues that we're facing today. So when I say mistakes of the past, I think I'm more talking of what are we doing to transcend development and think of it differently that provides something truly unique, truly into the future and starts to take on some of these big industries, these, these kind of, uh, these, big behemoth money machines that come in and have a system and a mode to do things. And how do we think outside the box? I mean, we will have an opportunity to do that. We can build the neighborhoods of the future. 
Um, maybe it's smaller footprint homes. I like to think, you know, New Longview, where I happen to reside, um, was way ahead of the curve in building something that nobody thought anybody would want in Lee Summit. And it's taken a long time to get there. But what we have is what we were told is that you couldn't have homes that range from 250,000 all the way up to 750,000 and be in the same neighborhood and be next to each other. Well, we've proven that wrong because it because it has happened and it does work and you get and it's a great it's a great passage of life. You might start in the smaller one and work your way up. You may be content in a smaller one. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that we have this opportunity to create something unique in this city. Not many people have this much land available or coming online. So rather than just fall into the traps of the old ways of doing it, let's think outside the box. And if we are going to incent things, let's incent things that have meaningful change or help push this city further. And that's so, a lot of that, gobbledygook, I know, but it, well, it is something I'm very passionate about. I want to follow that because I think I was, I was going in that direction to ask you about, okay, how are you then, you know, the city has a developed incentive policy, which is, I think it's safe to say is fairly in the box um, as things go. So what kind of changes are you thinking about, like in terms of like what kinds of incentives you would support for these kinds of projects? Like where do you want to push the envelope then for the city? Well, let's let's take, for instance, um, well, we, we typically don't incentivize a residential, though we have done that with the apartments in downtown Lee Summit. Um, and we are, uh, and let me, let me rephrase that. We typically don't incentivize it through TIF, right? Um, or our property tax abatement. And um, we have done some pilot programs and things like that for, for residential. Um, so if you're thinking of incentives, um, like maybe there is an opportunity to incent because the cost of construction right now is absurd, right? So, uh, you know, a same square foot home today that I live in that was built, you know, 10 years ago, is almost double what it was, you know, 10 years ago when we built it. Um, I'm not saying we want to incentivize residential, but if, if we can, if, if we can, we can task or challenge developers to come to something, you know, more unique or has greater opportunity to create something better for the community, you know, maybe there's mechanisms in there to help incentivize those projects versus how we just do it now. So maybe pushing the developers to do something uh, different or to create something that provides more value to our community and gives them the value they need to to make it feasible financially. I, I, I'm always curious when we get to incentive conversations because I think there's a there's a weird dance to to play there. But the common you know the common cliche phrase when it comes to incentives right is 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 the quote unquote but for test right. Will the development happen but for this right? Although a lot of what you said even though you were saying, yeah, we'll find things that we, we can't incentivize. A lot of what you said, though, says, hey, Lee Summit is already this attractive. People want to come here. People want to build here. People want to live here, work here, play here. So what is the but-for test there? I mean, if we are so attractive yeah, and yeah, we've got I, the land and the thing, you're right. So what is that? So, so a couple things. So the but-for test to me would be, um, okay, well, is this – I mean, we all know a, a, a proprietor in downtown Lee Summit that's got a lot of businesses and he is building a truly unique home in downtown Lee Summit. And it is completely energy efficient. It's concrete forms. It's something totally unique. The cost to construct that because it's so unique and hasn't been done before and hasn't been done at scale is, is, is probably cost prohibitive for a developer to want to come in. 
Now, what if we said there was a development that we felt like we would love for someone to push the envelope and we think this is unique enough. We recognize that it hasn't been done at scale to drive drive economies of scale down to make it feasible where someone could actually buy it and live in it for a reasonable amount. Maybe that's a but for test, right? Or, hey, home builder, because I've, I've seen it even today. It's like if you ask a home builder that's building you a ground up construction right now and I say, hey, I'm really interested in a solar roof. It's going to cost the same as the other. I want to I want a power wall. I want my thing wires. Like, yeah, we don't really do that. Well, how do we start pushing people to do some of those things? So I think there's a but for test to say that's the type of incentive to me that makes sense. And whether that's commercial or somehow on residential or something that's truly unique that actually creates something different and better. Now, to your point, uh, and I've said this before, cat's out of the bag with Lee Summit. It's a very attractive city. We've got people clamoring to be here. But we also still have like, for instance, if you looked at um, the auto auction, right? The auto auction site. It's uh, the old auto auction on the corner. Uh, and I've, I've sat through some of these development meetings where incentive packages are, are drawn up and, you know, there's there's things that there's mechanisms in there. I don't think people have enough line of sight to it. Maybe that, that would be a good thing on council. I have more transparency to what it actually costs to do the development, what the developer gets back, what that rate of return is. So people would feel better about some of the incentives we do. But in that instance, the cost of acquisition for land and develop it without an incentive might be too great to actually get any sort of return for the developer or the private developer that wants it. And the city may raise their hand and say, like, that's an important corner in our city. Um, we really would like, and by the way, we'll work with you, but you're going to develop this in a way that we think is important for our community, the types of tenants we want, the types of build out we want, what we think, what we think truly becomes a benefit to this community and we'll work with you in a public private partnership. So maybe there's a but for test to say, okay, this makes sense. We understand this is your cost. This is what it would be to build. We've got to have rentable rates for tenants to be able to come in there. So we understand that. So here's an incentive because it benefits our city. Uh, it's more tax, you know, it's more tax based down the road than what we're receiving now. Um, so I just think those are different ways that you can look at it. But I agree with you is that like just because you create an incentive policy doesn't mean that every every development needs, gets, or deserves it. And you always have to look at that and, and decide like, is this a net gain for the city? Okay. We're gonna we're gonna move on to to our next topic. And I'm gonna stay with stay with you on this on this one, John. Um, one of the probably first most important things that the next council body is going it's, to do. It's the second first most important thing though. Oh, that's true. That's past the, the budget. You have to do and the budget. Then you're going to get the really awesome task of finding the new city manager. Our current city manager, Steve Arbo, has announced his retirement after many, many years. He's going to be leaving the post in September. And I think we, I think it's fair for all of us to say he has been the executive of this city over a period of extremely significant growth. And when he's yes. gone, there's going to be some institutional knowledge that is gone. John, you, you have talked a lot about the development side of things. I think you, you are making a case that that's your expertise area, kind of with your, your the background of things you've done with the city in the past. Is it is it important for you, or are you looking for someone in the next city manager that has a lot of specific development experience or development vision for the city? Is that is that an important piece for you? Well, I think it's um, I think it is a very important piece. But you got to also understand as that person has to lead a city staff, right? What kind of leader are they? 
Um, how, how do they interact with people? How are they with effective confrontation? I mean, all the things that go in. I mean, you're essentially the CEO or owner of, of an in, of a business, right? Now you answer to the council and there's a lot I, of- I think you just made Steve roll over in his career grave by calling him the owner of the city. I just want you to know that for the record. <laughs> you, you might want to check You might want to check your mailbox tomorrow. But that's I, all I'm saying. But I would, I would say, and I mean, I'm not going to publicly endorse anyone right now. Um, but I, I would say that I think what we have to be careful of, and I think I think we've seen it played out before, is where um, do do we have internal champions right now um, that have been prepared or prepped for this role that understand who and what we are? It doesn't mean that there might not be someone outside of Lee Summit, um, but what I would be cautious of is when we engage these third parties to do this exhaustive candidate search and we spend a lot of money and resources to do that i think if we're if we're good stewards of um you know of, of our city that we're actually you know we're thinking about who and what we are right the values and what you know what the city is just like you would with any business and then saying who's best to keep to continue the momentum that we have um, and it may fit into that, um, fit into that role. Well, um, I think I probably, I mean, you see where I might be leaning in something like this, Yeah, but, and, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to, I want to jump in real quick. Cause I want to challenge you a little bit because earlier in this conversation, you were focusing a lot on, we need to think outside of the box. We need to think about things differently. How do you balance that type of thinking with what you just said of maybe we need to look in internally first? Well, I don't, I mean, you think thinking outside the box of how you, um, and, I, and I think we have, uh, well, I think, first of all, the council kind of sets that tone to think outside of the box when we're talking about things that are, um, that are important to the community or, or the city. Um, I don't, I don't think saying we need to look closely internally to what we have, because I also think we've made some mistakes in the past, not necessarily in the city, where we were so um, it was so important for us to go out and replace people of leadership in different roles. I'm not sure that's worked out for the better when we may have had really good candidates internally. Um, I'm not saying you don't have to go out and seek um, other candidates. I'm saying that a lot of times what you need or who you need to continue the momentum and continue where you're going is internal. And I don't want to see the city waste a bunch of resources and time hiring third parties to come tell us who we should hire and fit in our community. I think we could do a really good job of that on our own. All right. Well, I'm going to move on because I, you, I'm, to be honest, John, you have talked way too long. So I want to get Lorenzo back in here. But that's partly our fault. Well, it's the nature. Any questions? All politicians talk too much, uh, and it's the nature of just having the two of you trying to, you know, who gets to start the question, who gets to answer. So, Lorenzo, I apologize for leaving you there uh, in the quiet for so long. But your answers, I think, a lot of your answers focused. Um, and your experience with the uh, Diversity Commission, Diversity Inclusion Commission that the, the Mayor Baird started uh, and the City Council started last year, um, your work with that. And, and you mentioned once or twice as well in your things about making sure that we are mindful of uh, DEI in our in our city. Is that something that you want to look at specifically when you're thinking about a, a city manager candidate? And how would that be reflected in what you what you would be looking for? You know, that is something that I would consider for sure. I know Mr. Arbo has done a very good job here at his time in the City of Lee Summit. Um, but also, when you're looking at hiring someone new um, in the city manager position, um, 
you know, internal is great as well because, you know, many jobs and corporations, uh, people who've been working behind certain people for so long learn how things are going. Totally agree with that. Also, it's also good to look outside uh, because you never know who you could find who may be invested in coming into a city, helping to keep moving the momentum forward, keeping the momentum of the city and moving it forward in a great direction, whereas coming up with more innovative ideas than some who've been working here for so long. They may be stuck in a certain way because this particular person did it this way. Let's continue it that way, but maybe bringing in someone new um, that may be great at their position, but bringing in those innovative ideas to help bring us to where we're trying to get to. So that's where I would go with that. I want to ask you a, a, a little bit to maybe maybe go a little bit deeper on the on that that lens, the the, the DEI lens that, that and you've talked a lot about in, in your responses and as a community, I would and I think I'm fair when I say this as a community, most of our community wide conversations have been centered around education and the school district. How does that lens apply to to governance to what we're doing at at the level of of, of city hall and governing the city when it comes to dni yeah so you know <clears throat> there's been a very particular big topic here over the time frame since probably a little bit before COVID, um but it's become more and more um trans well apparent here that least some is becoming more diverse uh, we're getting more people um, from all different types of backgrounds moving into our city. And so if we continue to have opportunities for them to be a part of the city where they live, um, where they work, um, that would be great great for us as a city, showing that we are including everyone that's living here that wants to be a part. So if we're providing these opportunities, uh, that really makes us look really well because some cities aren't doing that. What, what Mary Baird has started with this Diversity and Inclusion Commission you know, working on it, we have come to find out of a lot of things, you know, we have all representatives from all different backgrounds on this commission. As we've been going through the process, we've either found out about something that a different, you know, culture may be doing in the city, it's not being made aware of, or different people who work in these different areas um, are being provided opportunity, didn't even know that it existed. So, you know, if we continue to keep that up, I think our city will be going in a great direction. So just trying to make sure that we, I know it's an 18-month commitment, but, you know, and it's supposed to end, but it's one of the things I'm hoping that they keep going as a commission more than 18 months because, you know, we're always going to need to keep updating. I'm going to I'm gonna say this, that if either of you are elected, you're going to quickly learn that when those those timeline things, they don't mean that. You're going to work. <laughs> time, if you're elected, you're going to work a meaning. lot more than they tell you you're going to work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to now go to the final question. And it is the most important question. It is the only question that we will ask of you. You should probably sit forward in your seats. I'm just that saying. we will judge you for your answer. We, we try to be as open-minded with these, these important political topics. But when it comes to the truly, truly core pieces of what it means to be on this podcast, we have to feel like, well, and I want to preface, I want to preface this a little bit more because I haven't talked enough, John. Um, <laughs> no, it just, uh, anyway, so we have in the past, over the past years, if you have listened to the podcast, we have, we have offered the argument of tacos versus hamburgers and which one is better. And we think that we have decided through a not think. We know. We know. Through an extraordinarily scientific method by hamburgers. science means Nick and I's opinion that tacos win. 
But we're not asking that question this year. We don't need to ask that question anymore. That that topic has been settled. So, and this is uh, we are no longer an unbiased organization when it comes to this question, Lorenzo. Where in Lee Summit do you get the betacos? Well, there is a taco truck that's uh, downtown Lee Summit, but I don't know the name of it. But I really like it. Like Nameless a- taco truck is, is really strong. Actually, that is a strong. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a strong it, opinion. It, it parks at Bridge Space outside the Bridge Space Studios <laughs> every Friday. Every Friday. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. But, now, why? What is it there that you like the most? That's what we want. What's your order? There was like it was some sweet taco. I, I want to say it was a mango chicken taco or something. Yes. Uh, you, by the way, he is correct. Well, well done. You are done, John. John, the spotlight is now shining in your eyes. Well, first of all, it's hamburgers, not tacos. Oh, well, no, look, 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 you just like I, we don't endorse, but you may uh, you may make us do so. I, I am ashamed to admit I haven't tried the taco truck outside of Rich Space, but for my money, um, I'll take Stewie's tacos. Also, what what which also, taco are you ordering? Well, it's I mean. Buffalo chicken tacos. There we go. Fair enough. It's no, that's I mean, that is a good taco, and and you are not taco. in, and you're not incorrect. We have had one extremely strong take in our board, uh, school board interviews that I think you should all pay attention to. How strong that take is. Honestly, I think it's the strongest take that has ever Look, been uttered on our show. As I as I told him, I have done this job for about 27 years. That was the most courageous thing I've ever heard a politician say. The answer, his answer was Taco Bell. His answer was Taco Bell. So I just I, want you to know I've never heard that kind of courage before. There we had we've had coward answers, we've had the strongest possible take, and then I think all the rest of them are in general correct because all tacos are good. All tacos are good. John Lovell, Lorenzo Harrison, thank you both so much for, for your time tonight to have this conversation with us so that the the voters, the people of Lee Summit, can better know who you are and your perspectives on the city and the local issues, your visions for the community. I appreciate it, not just for the time tonight, but also for putting your name in the hat. Look, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of courage As we to said, show up. Showing up. That will wrap us up for this episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. We will talk to everybody next time.